Okay, we're learning that Mem Vav. So you know what? Let's just start running start from Mem Hey and Beis again. We had this Machlekes Hashotim Shenadar Hanazam Izet. What happens if you have partners in a courtyard? So two people own private homes and they access a courtyard. They they share all the Shimushim in the courtyard together. The issue here is that they took Hanah vow one from the other not to benefit. So now the question is, if each one of them are going to be using the courtyard, are they also benefiting from their from the other partner, which would mean it's also? Or do we say that when they're using it, they're only using their thing? So it's a machleket. The Tanakhama holds us during the Kanas B'chatzor. It's forbidden for them to come to the Chatzor. The Tanakhama holds, as we discussed yesterday, Ein Bereira. We can't say that something is retroactively determined. Therefore, when each partner is using it, we are unable to say that they are only using their property. They're, they're using their property and the rights that they have on their, on their partner's property. When here, which, when the nether was made, they cannot benefit from their partner. Therefore, they cannot use the chatzah. No, why can't we say this one is just coming into his own and this one is just coming into his own? We could retroactively determine that whatever they are using is theirs individually. And therefore, the nether is, doesn't uh, restrict them because in the moments that they're using it, whatever they're using is only theirs. That's what we learned yesterday. Now we're up to Memvav and Aleph at the top. Says the Mishnah, Both partners are also to put permanent installations into the Chatzar. To put a mill, to put an oven, to raise chickens in the Chatzar. And what's the reason? Because every partner, even if you hold Yesh Breira, but every partner has, um, has the right to stop the other one from putting permanent things and permanent changes into the courtyard. So in other words, even if we say, you know, Yishbreira, whatever you're using, it's only yours. Whatever you're walking in, it's only yours. But that's clear. Like if I'm a partner here and I have rights to use it and it will be mine, I could stop you from raising chickens in the courtyard, right? In other words, there are certain types of permanent changes that you're making in terms to the shimushim of the courtyard where myself as a partner, I have a right to stop you. So if I'm not going to stop you and I'm allowing you to do that, clearly you are... Uh, benefiting from me. That is the point. So therefore, even like Rav Lazman Yaakov, that each one can use the Chatzar because they're only using their own. That's only true for something like simply walking through or basic Shumushim, but things which are really changing the courtyard. Installations and this and that and companies and, and chickens. So then, then those are things which everyone would agree it's for butter. Says the Gemara, similar case. In this case, there's one tweak. But it's not that both partners are also to one another. In the previous case, there was a nether both ways, two directions. In this next case, it's only one partner is subject to the nether not to get benefit from the other one. So let's say Reuven took the vow not to get benefit from Shimon, but Shimon didn't reciprocate. So Shimon could get an off from Reuven, only Reuven can't get an off from Shimon. So now the one who has the, the nether on him, the can't go into the chatzor of Lazarus, Yaakov Omer, you can tell his partner, I'm only going to my own part, I'm not going into your, your own, into your part. So it's exactly the same machlokas. So when he's going in, we say, hey, he's using his friend's thing and he can't get benefit. So says, no, so whenever Reuben is using the courtyard, it's viewed that he's just using his own thing and therefore it's not an issue. So it's the same machlokas, whether or not they're both us or only one is us. However, in this case, we force, we compel the one who took the nether to sell his share of the courtyard. This is a really interesting idea. Reuven can't use, can't use the courtyard while Shimon could, because here it's only one directional. So therefore, it's going to make a very bad situation. My person might be so jealous. Can you imagine being a partner, partner in the courtyard? And uh, your partner is allowed to use it, and you, you're not, right? Because you have the vow and your partner doesn't. So it leads to jealousy, and it might lead eventually to violating the nether. To make sure that doesn't happen, the Chacham said, let's just make a business deal from the top. Right now, from the outset, we'll make a deal and sell it to the other one. In the previous case in the Mishnah, the Mishnah didn't say that because in the previous case in the Mishnah, Reuven is also to Shema and Shema is also to Reuven and therefore the, the Halacha was according to the Chacham that they're both not allowed to use it so it's not leading to any envy and jealousy. 
It's just no one's allowed to use the chatzor. Okay, so that will be the situation. There's no din that we compel them to make the deal. But in this case, where it's only one direction, only one partner has the nether and the other one doesn't, so then we're nervous that it will lead to the violation of the nether. And therefore the din is that we compel the one who took the nether to sell his share. The third case, Let's say neither Reuven took a nether from Shimon or Shimon from Reuven. So Reuven and Shimon, the owners here, the partners in the chaser, are both mother to use the chaser. But someone from the street, someone out of the market, he has a nether that he can't get benefit from either Reuven or Shimon. So call him a guy, Levi, random fellow. Levi has a, has a vow, he can't get benefit from Reuven. So now could, he can't get direct benefit from Reuven, very clear. Could he come into a courtyard that Reuven is a partner in? So Tanakama was like, he can't come into the courtyard because if he's coming in for Reuven, you know, he's doing something, doing Reuven a favor, whatever it is, whose property is he using? Both Reuven and Shimon's. So he can't come along and say, oh, I'm only using the other partners and it's not an issue. So let's just give some names. Levi said, I'm not going to benefit from Shimon. Let's say, I'm not going to benefit from Shimon. Now, Shimon and Reuven are partners. Could Levi come in? So Levi's going to say, hey, I'm not going into Shimon's courtyard. I'm only going to Reuven's courtyard. So that doesn't work. The Tanakama holds Eim Berea. You can't determine that when he's coming in, he's only coming into Shimon's courtyard. No. Eim Berea means at any moment, whenever a courtyard is being used, it's both Reuven's and Shimon's which is being used. So therefore, when Levi can't come in because he's deriving benefit from, from, from Shimon. He could say, I'm only going to Shimon's property and not yours. So in the notes, the Pereira, it's very interesting. The Lazarin Yaakov here, it's a little bit of a bigger Kedish here. That the Pereira thing is that this random guy can say, I'm only utilizing the share owned by the partner where I'm, that I'm permitted to get benefit from. Now, the Chayra, this only makes sense if the purpose of your entry is for that partner. And in other words, again, Levi can't get benefit from Shimon, let's say, but he could get benefit from Reuven. When he's coming in, if he's doing something on Reuven's behalf, you know, he's going to get something from, from Reuven's house, let's say. Then it makes sense, he could say, in that moment, the Pereira determines that the usage of the courtyard was to Reuven. And therefore, the Levi, even though he can't get benefit from Shimon, he's not getting benefit from Shimon. In the moment that he's using the courtyard, it's only considered to be Reuven's. But if he's randomly coming in and doing something, it's hard to see it up that way, because it's hard to see that the Pereira determines retroactively what a random Shimosh of a stranger is. For the partners themselves, it makes sense. Well, clearly, we shouldn't him say over here, we have to say that when Levi was using it and he's, he's, he's employing Brera, it's only when, when, when the usage was taka for that partner that he's permitted to benefit from. All right, yet one more case. Someone subject to a nadar that he can't get an off from his friend. This is a real estate question. That person that he can't be a benefit from, he has a bathhouse or an olive press. He has a piece of property in the city that he leases. So here's a fascinating question. If now the subject of the nether wants to go use that, that bathhouse, let's say, is he deriving benefit? What's the word from the one who leases something? The less... Lessor. Lessor. Is he getting benefit from that person? That's an interesting shyla. He's technically the owner of the real estate, but that he's not operating the business. He doesn't, you know, he just, he just gets paid a rent, right? He gets, gets, paid, gets paid something, and uh, then the business is operated by somebody else, by a manager. So is that considered that the subject of the nether is getting hana? from the one who leases it out. So the Gemara says it depends on the, on the, on the, on the terms of the lease. If the landlord has a real holding in the bathhouse, and we have to define, what does that mean? Does he have a holding in the bathhouse? So if he does, also, then it's also, because it's considered you know, directly taking Hanah from him, his bathhouse. If he doesn't have a, a real holding in the bathhouse, then mother, it's permitted. What does it mean that he has a holding? We will see in the Gemara how we define that. Continues the Mishnah. Someone who says this friend, Konam, my coming into your house. So basically, he's saying your home is a konam to me. 
in regard to me entering it. That's what he's saying. So Reuven is saying to Shimon, your house is also to me that I will not come in. Or my purchasing of your field. Reuven is saying to Shimon, your field is forbidden to me that I will not purchase it. And what happens here, here's the emphasis. He was only ossering the field of the home when it belonged to Shimon. So let's say the owner dies or he sells it to another person. Mutter, now the vower is allowed to enter the house or purchase the field. Why? Because he didn't emphasize Stam that the field or the house is also to him. He emphasized in the language, your home, your field is also to me. So therefore now, if it's no longer your field or your home because the other Shimon passes away or sells it, so then now the, the, the terms of the nether are up, Reuven is allowed to benefit. Whereas if he specified in the language, konem buys zeshani nechnas konem, my entering of this home, he doesn't say your home, he says this home, sada zushani lokeach, my purchasing of this field, then even if the owner dies or he sells to somebody else, usher, the vower will still be usher to enter the house or purchase the field. Because in this case, he didn't specify there was about who or when it's being owned. He just said this field or this home is going to be usher. So now even if Shimon dies or he sells to someone else, Reuven can't benefit. All right, so now we're going to go back to the whole dinner of the mission and understand it a little bit better. The case was, you've got the two partners in the courtyard and they have a nether both, on both of them. That was the opening case in the mission. There was a nether on both of them. They can't benefit. We had the Machlokas, Hanakama held Ein Breira, and, and uh, they can't use the courtyard. And they could. So he bought it. Should we, the gears of be that each of the partners took the nether? In other words, there's two ways for Reuven to become Asr on Shimon's property. Reuven could Asr himself onto, onto Shimon's stuff. And the other way is that Shimon could Asr Reuven on his stuff. They end, both end up with the same exact effect that Reuven can't benefit from Shimon. But there's two different ways that nether can be made. So it wasn't Benadru where each partner willingly took it upon themselves. Each partner himself is offering themselves from benefiting from the friend. And that's where the machlokas is about whether they can go, out and go in or not. But he dears as am I. What would be in a case where each partner is imposing the nether on the other? Reuven is saying to Shimon, you are also to benefit from me. And Shimon is saying to Reuven, you are also to benefit from me. So what, and what's, what's the nafkimina? Either way, Whatever, it's just semantics because at the end of the day you end up with the same effect that they're also to benefit from one another. So the Gemara explains this vows. Me, I'm reading, but not Drew the Maybe the whole machlokas is only where each partner willingly took it upon themselves. And only there do the Chachamim argue and Rabbi Lazar Yaakov and say that the partners can't go into the court. Abu Dir is that in a case where they each impose the other on the other, Modile Rabbi Lazar Yaakov, maybe the Chachamim agree with Rabbi Lazar Yaakov that they're allowed to go in. And what's the reason? The Chianus and Dami. Because it's, it's, they're totally honest. There's nothing they could have done. To prevent this nether from coming. In other words, what the Tzad the Gemara is saying is that maybe the Rabbanan essentially agreed to Rabbi Lazar and Yaakov's lumdus of Brera. What Rabbi Lazar and Yaakov's lumdus of Brera is, yes, it's true they can't benefit from their partner, but since they're, each one of them are partners, when they're using it, they're only using their thing. Maybe the Rabbanan essentially actually agree with that point. Why did the Rabbanan say they can't use it? It's only because if you willingly took that nether upon yourself, we don't feel bad for you. Right? In other words, you didn't think, you didn't think this through. You didn't think anything. You didn't think about it. So it's basically a penalty. It's like a fine that they're imposing because you voluntarily are making nether restrictions upon yourselves. So we don't rely on some technicalities of Brera to get you out of it. Even though Brera does really get you out of it. And the technicalities are valid. But if you willingly take a nether upon yourself, not to get benefit from your friend, we're not looking for the, technical, for the technicalities that can save you and allow you to use your courtyard. Maybe that's why the Rabbanon don't allow them. But if each one is imposing the nether on the other, where each one is an honest, in that case, they did nothing to asser themselves. They, all they did was asser the other guy. But in terms of the isser on themselves, they didn't do anything to bring it about. Maybe the Rabbana would agree that you could use the Brera Svar and each partner could enter. Odomar, maybe, no. I feel like there's a plea Rabbanon. Rabbanon or not some sort of penalty. The Rabbanan maybe fundamentally hold that we don't say the Brera. And if we don't say the Brera, even if 
they eat, they, 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 it was not their fault in any way. It was uh, the partner imposed the nether on the other, we still say it. So the Gemara says, Tashma, from the second part of the Mishnah, if one of them was subject to a nether that he couldn't get benefit from his friend, Rabbanon argued. Now the language of the Mishnah is mudr. Mudr means subject of a nether. That means that the nether was made by the other person. So if one of them was the subject of the nether and the Rabbanon are still saying he can't go in, we clearly see that the Rabbanon are talking even in a case where the nether was imposed on him by the other partner. So the Gemara says, that's not a proof. We'll just change the language. Tani, we teach, the nether had taken the nether and offering himself to get benefit from his friends. So we just simply change it from, from um, mudr to nether. Again, the difference is, is that mudr implies you're the subject of the nether and nether implies that you made the nether yourself. And the Gemara says, it's actually more logical that that gears to change is right. And that in the seifa we're talking about that the person made the nether themselves. Because what was the seifa? Remember, only one of the partners made in the second case has the iser. So the Mishnah said, we're nervous that he's going to get jealous and he'll come to violate the nether. So what did we say? That we, we compel the one who took the nether to sell his share. So yeah, the nether who, if the case is that he himself, he got himself in this mess, he himself took the nether upon himself on the kofin, then we can understand why we compel him. It's reasonable. Look, at the end of the day, he might come to violate his nether. He got himself into this pickle to begin with. So we, we basically twist his arm to make the deal. If you say that the other party imposed the nether on him, and you know, Shimon said, Reuben, you can't get benefit from me. Reuben did nothing at all. So then I'm like, so why would we be forcing him to sell his portion? How many is honest? He's totally forced into this. Think about that. You want to buy your partner out and your partner doesn't want to do it. Just think of a really smart trick, right? Just offer him Bahano. And then once you offer him Bahano, he's not going to be able to, uh, the Ravonan are going to say that he can't, he can't use it. He can't use his property. Once he can't use his property, we're going to compel him to, to sell it. And then you get your share. Obviously, it's not fair. If, if, if you made the nether on him, we're not going to compel the subject of the nether to then sell. So if the Mishnah does say that we compel when it's one directional, it must be that the case is not that the, the partners impose the nether on the other, but rather that each of the partners willingly accepted that they weren't going to benefit from the other ones. We actually say that that's more logical, that the case is that they willingly took it upon themselves. We see that uh, that's what we're arguing, so we don't, we don't end up in a clarity what would be if they, if they imposed one or the other. Okay, here we go. Amar Rabba, Amar Ziri, Machlekes, the whole Machlekes. And again, the Machlekes is based upon the principles of Breira. The whole Machlekes is Sheyesh Bagadeh Haluka. It's only where the courtyard is large enough that it could also be divided. Let's just understand. Sometimes there you have partners who are, who, are, who are in a partnership, and then one of, the, one of the sides wants to dissolve the partnership. And what do they want to do? They want to split it up. You'll take half, I'll take half. So, so could one, let's say one partner wants to, and one partner doesn't want to. Who, who wins? What's the law in that scenario? So it depends how large it is. If it's large enough that it would leave at least four by four amos for each partner, then one partner can compel the other to divide because it's a reasonable claim. Look, I'm going to leave you with a good area to use for yourself personally. So therefore, he can force him to make a division. So if it would be such a big case, such a big courtyard, that's where there's a dispute. That's why the Rabbanon say we don't say prayer. Now let's just understand. Remember, if I have a partnership, what was the lundus of prayer? That whenever I'm using it, I'm just using my own. Maybe you can only say that where, 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 you can, maybe, I'm sorry, the Rabbanon say you can't say Breira because it's not clear that it was always going to remain in a partnership. It was Inbakadei Chaluka. So when they made the deal, it was also possible that the partnership at any point was going to be dissolved. So since there's so many possibilities swimming around, that's why you can't say Breira and say that when one partner is using it retroactively, it was always his. Because since from the very beginning, it wasn't even determined that it was going to be used back and forth. 
There's also a possibility that the partnership might dissolve and each person might only own one part and the other person might own the other part. There, the Rabbonans say, and that's why they say that it's also for each partner to use it. Let's say the courtyard is not big enough for, for it to be divided, which means that from the outset, it is absolutely certain that it will always be used just um, on and off by each partner. It's for sure always going to remain in the partnership. The question is just when you're going to use it. And when I'm going to use it, then everybody agrees it's a mutter. In other words, what the Gemara is saying is the Rabbanan will agree yesh breya. The only reason the Rabbanan say aim breya is when it's more complex in the uncertainty. The uncertainty from the beginning of the, of the partnership is not only when I and you will use it, but it's also about what, what's going to happen. It will be divided. Will it remain the way that it is? So there's so much uncertainty from the beginning. There the Rabbanan say aim breya. When one partner goes and uses it, you can't say retroactively it's determined that that was the terms of the deal. But where it was always Sure, that it's going to remain in the shutfis because it's not big enough to divide. So for sure, it's always going to be used, sometimes by you and sometimes by me. Then everyone would agree that yesh brera, that when one partner uses it, it's determined retroactively that that was his partnership. So we're limiting the Rabbanan's Isser to a case where the courtyard is large. If Yosef says to Rabbi, consider a case of a shul. A shul, and we're going to be talking about this later on in the Mishnah Amem Ches. What happens if, let's say, you know, it's a mother Hana scenario. One guy can't get Hana from his friend. Could he go to the shul? Because who owns the shul? Everybody, right? So he, he, he has, he's a partner in the shul. Now, is a shul a divisible thing? Is a shul possible for all, everyone to divide? No, that's the whole point. It's a communal thing. We can't, we're not going to divide it. Even if it's a super large shul, but it's like it doesn't have an area which is large enough to be divided because regardless of the size, that you can never divide up a shul. The shul has to be omade for, for the use of, of the community. Utinan, what does the Mishnah say? If one person has an isser, two people in the town are also to benefit from one another. They're, they both can't go into the public facilities. And one of those types of facilities is the shul. Imagine that scenario. That's it. You can never go to shul again. So what's the pshat? Because since it's own b'shut of everyone in the, in the shul, so no one can go in because you're benefiting from partly from the thing that, that belongs to the guy you can't benefit from. So what do I see? We're not saying prayer. Clearly, we're going like the Rabbanim. We're, we're not holding a prayer. We're not going to say that when I go in, I'm just using my portion. We're saying that no. We're saying in prayer. So we're saying in prayer, even though it was clear that the shul was never going to be divided. So we see that the Rabbanim don't hold a prayer, even when from the very outset it was clear and certain that it wasn't going to be divided. So going back to us, we see that the Rabbanim should ask for the partner from going in, even when it does not have Kedei Chaluka, contrary to what we said. So the Gemara therefore reverses just the opposite of what we said. El Amar Yosef Amarzi just the opposite. When is Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov lenient and saying yesh brera, and therefore allowing each partner to go in? That's only when the courtyard was not big enough for it to be divided. There he is mekel because since it's clear it's going to remain in the shutfis, and it's just the only element of doubt is when you're going to use it and when I'm going to use it. So then we can say brera that when you're using it, it was always determined that that, that usage was yours. But if the courtyard was big enough to be for it, it was only that it could be divided in Deriyakalasar, even our blessing Yaakov was going to Asr it, because there it's not even determined it's going to be used as Shutzvis, so it might end up being divided. So then everyone would agree that the, you don't employ Brayra. So we're coming out Mamish, the flip of what we said. Even the lenient view of Lazar Yaakov is only when it's Yesh, when it's, I'm sorry, when it's Yesh, everyone would agree that it is Asr. Says the Gemara, how do we pass in here? So we paskin with the yesh brera, as we said. All right, continues the Gemara. What was that thing? Let's say you have the lessor and, the, and, and he rents out a bathhouse. And now the shaila is there's a whole business taking place. So could the mother Hana go to the bathhouse if the lessor is 
someone he can't benefit from. So what did the Mishnah say? It depends if that lessor has a tfisas yad, if he has a holding in the bathhouse. So what does that mean? Common tfisas yad, how much of a share must mean to, you know, to have a holding? So basically that's the way we understand. There's different ways of being involved in a business. You could kind of just like, you know, get like a, a rental, you rent it out, and the business is no shy to me. If that's what it is, then you're not benefiting from the, from, the, from, from the landlord when you show up at the business. You're benefiting from the business, from the bathhouse. Whereas if, if the landlord is invested into the business itself, he gets revenue, a certain percentage of what the bathhouse brings in, then you say, yeah, you're taking that off from the landlord as well when you go to the bathhouse. So that Mara says, let's say he has a rights to half, a third, or a quarter of the income. So then that's considered he's, he has a holding in the business. And then the business is his as well. And now it's going to be also for you to go to the bathhouse. But if it's less than that, that's, that's what we call that he doesn't have a Tvisa Siyad, and therefore it's permitted. Even if it's less than that, it's always Aser. In other words, any revenue that you get from the business itself always means you have a holding. And therefore, it would always be forbidden. So what then is a case where you're allowed to use the facility where it's not considered that you have a Tvisus Where the landlord is just getting a set fee. He's just taking a rental fee, meaning he's not invested in the business at all. So very gishmak. Basically, so Shiloh, what does it mean you have a holding in the business? Does it mean, what is it, I'm sorry, what does it mean that you don't have a holding in the business? Everybody agrees that if you have a significant revenue that you get not only from the fee, but from, the, from what the business makes, let's say, you know, a third or a quarter, so then for sure it's thesis yacht. What if it's less than that, a very small portion? One opinion says that's not a thesis yacht. The other opinion says, no, that is a thesis yacht. Whatever you're getting, something specific from how much the business, the revenues of the business is forbidden. The only time it's mutter is when you don't, you are only taking a flat fee for the rental.